In-depth analysis from former Wisconsin athletes, Gusser, Bruzowitz, Butch. This is the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Well, Wisconsin had just one game since last time we had the chance to chat, and that was a win over Ohio State. They crushed Ohio State at one point, leading by more than 20 points, and uh, they moved to 7-6 and six in the conference, 14-10 and 10 overall. They're getting ready for a trip to Nebraska. They'll take on the Cornhuskers tomorrow afternoon down in Lincoln. Uh, we'll get to all our former Badgers here in a bit, uh, Brian Butch, Josh Gosser, Mike Bruzewitz. But I wanted to first start with uh, John McNamara. He's the editor of BadgerBlitz.com, one of the uh, recruiting sites here uh, that cover the Badgers. And does he does a great job covering uh, high school recruiting. I, ch- I chatted with him about Wisconsin's uh, recruiting and the impact of the Eric Helen situation from last week. Obviously, the longtime strength and conditioning uh, coach resigning after it came to light that he had used racially insensitive language in, uh, in retelling a story uh, and ended up having him resign. I wanted to talk to John about that and also uh, get into the 2020 and 2021 classes, maybe even a little bit further than that and see what's on the horizon for the Badgers in that sense. So we'll get started with that. John, uh, thanks for coming on the program. Uh, How's it going? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me today. We'll start here with the Eric Helen situation and its impact on recruiting, and that's why I kind of wanted to bring you on because uh, obviously you're plugged in as well as anybody and the Eric Helen situation and what played out because of it uh, with the his use of the racially insensitive language that led eventually to his resignation. There's a lot of hand-wringing over what kind of impact it would have on the recruiting trail. And I'm wondering, did they ha- for Wisconsin, just in your opinion, did they have any choice but to go the way that they did with Eric Helen based on the potential for negative recruiting with keeping him on staff? Was, was there anything they could have done differently in this situation, or was this what had to happen recruiting-wise for, for them to move forward? Yeah, I, I think it's a great question. It's one that, you know, both sides that uh, are on each side are going to fight for. You know, I'm sure there's a crowd that, that wanted Eric Allen to stay uh, on the staff of Wisconsin. And, you know, Chucky Hepburn's dad, uh, you know, came out on Twitter in, in support of him and was, um, you know, I don't want to put words in his mouth or misquote him, but, you know, his tweet seemed to be pro Eric Hetland and, you know, wanting him to remain on staff uh, with everything that happened. Uh, you know, in you know, the last, I guess, month or so. Um, but then, you know, there, there's a chunk of people that said, you know, it, can you have someone on staff as you're going to recruit people, as you're saying, hey, you know, we're going to take care of your kid for the next four or five years to have someone on staff like that. You know, that raises question marks. So um, I, I guess I don't have an opinion as to whether he should have been fired or he should have not have been fired. But as you're going out on the recruiting front, this is a conversation that the staff is now having with, uh, you know, guys that they have recruited, you know, guys that they've signed in the 2020 class. And this is a, certainly a conversation that they're going to have in the 2021 class with guys that they already have committed and, and the remaining targets on their board. So, um, you know, th- there's a lot going on with the Wisconsin program, and these are conversations that the staff is going to have to have uh, with guys that they want to have, you know, spend the next four or five years on their campus. I totally see it from uh, Chucky Hepburn's dad's point of view. He also knows Eric Callen, right? They've built that relationship just like the guys in the 2020 class. And, and we heard um, the father of Johnny and Jordan Davis talk about it as well. Like, they all know him. They know Eric Helen. They know, so they, they have that personal relationship. I feel like it would be a bigger issue in places where they have not established relationships to this point. You know, in 2022 or 2023, you're, you're going to have guys that don't know Eric Helen except for this incident. And so that, to me, would be an, a problem in trying to get those guys to come to Wisconsin. Right. And, you know, with, with Eric Allen, because of the background that he had, uh, you know, he was a big selling point yeah. as, as you're recruiting guys. You're saying, hey, look, we, 
we have a guy that's been in the NBA who's who's trained guys at, at the highest level of basketball possible. So that was a big selling point for Wisconsin, and you know that's something that probably hurts them moving forward. In addition to having to explain you know what happened with his departure, what happened with his situation. So um, it, you know it's an unfortunate situation for Wisconsin on the recruiting front because you know he was very much an asset for them in that department. Yeah, I know he definitely was. Brad Davison talked about it uh, last week and saying that he was one of the reasons why he came to Wisconsin. So he he, he definitely left an impact beyond just uh, what he did in the, in the weight room and certainly in the recruiting trail. In terms of the 2020 guys and the 2021 guys, is there any fallout whatsoever from this incident with any of those guys that they have, the nine guys that they have committed, uh, either signed or committed for the next two years? Right, you know, you start in 2020 and those guys have already signed. Uh, you know, we talked about the Davis brothers, Jonathan and Jordan Davis, uh, Ben Carlson, Stephen Crawl from Minnesota, and then Lauren Bowman, who was the first commit in that class. You know, there seems to be no wavering from those guys. Again, those guys have signed letters of intent, so um, that happened before, you know, any of the stuff has happened on campus right now with Wisconsin with Eric Allen. Uh, you look at the 2021 class and you know, they already have commitments there um, from Chucky Hepburn. We talked about his, his dad kind of came out in favor of Eric Helen. Uh, Matthew Moore's is committed. Chris Hodges is committed. Uh, those guys don't seem to be wavering at all in their commitment uh, to Wisconsin with the things that have gone on with the program. So, um, I, I, like I said, I think it's a topic of conversation, but you saw Wisconsin staff kind of get out in front of things uh, with the Kobe King situation. Though. They went to lacrosse. They sent a group of people there to you know, address that with, with uh, Jonathan and Jordan Davis and, and their family. So I think they're trying to get out in front of things as much as possible. But again, I think it's more of a topic of, of conversation as opposed to guys you know, backing out of their commitment to the Badgers. Sure. Again, talking with John McNamara from BadgerBlitz.com. All right, let's, let's talk about this class, especially the 2020 class. Just first of all, if you could take one guy from that class and put him on this team right now, which one would make the biggest impact for this year? Like if they if they could grab one of those guys and throw him in there, who would it be? Yeah, I think it's got to be Johnny Davis, uh, just because of his athletic ability. Uh, you know, he's a scorer. You know, someone that can get to the rim. I think they're all all things that Wisconsin kind of lacks right now uh, on the current roster, especially with Kobe King leaving. So. You know, if, if you were to take one of those five guys, I guess six in, in addition to Carter Gilmore, it'd probably be Davis. I, I think he's in line for, you know, most likely being the player of the year in the state for of Wisconsin uh, th- as a senior this year. Um, I got a chance to see him this past weekend. Uh, he was at a tournament, the Wisconsin-Illinois battle, uh, and he looked fantastic uh, in, in that game. So, you know, he, he's putting together an excellent senior season. His trajectory has really been you know, going up since last spring and summer on the AU circuit. You know, he's definitely one of, you know, probably one of the top 100 guys in the country right now. And I think he's going to be a guy that plays right away as a true freshman and have a pretty big impact on next year's team. There was a lot of people wondering if the, the Kobe King situation would impact them in terms of, because they're friends, friends with Kobe, went to the same school, uh, played on the same team. But I feel like, especially for Johnny, it's not a Horrible thing that Kobe King's no longer around for him, just simply because he wants to play early, and now this will obviously give him a better chance of doing so, will it not? Right, that, that's going to open the door. You know, Kobe King, I think, has, you could say, a similar skill set to Johnny Davis. Uh, I think Johnny Davis is probably a better player uh, at that stage in, in his high school career in comparison to Kobe King. So, you know, he's going to step in and be, you know, maybe that. That, that wing or that, that small forward that can come in and, and play for Wisconsin, you know, there, there'll be an opportunity to potentially be in the starting lineup next year for a guy like Johnny Davis. So I think that's a lot to ask for a true freshman. But I think, you know, like you said, Zach, with, with the door open that Kobe King has left, um, you know, there, there's, you know, big time minutes available for next year's team. 
uh, specifically on that wing. And, you know, Johnny Davis is a guy, like I said, I think plays right away no matter what. Uh, but he could be a guy in the com- conversation for the starting lineup as well next season. Moving ahead to the 2021 class, those three guys is uh, with uh, that we talked about earlier, are they it, or are they still looking to add another body to that class? Yeah, uh, a body or two. I, I think this class could get as big as five uh, right now. They have three committed. Uh, Julian Roper is really the next big piece uh, that Wisconsin is looking for in this class. There was a there's a feeling that he could go into his official visit this fall and potentially commit. Uh, that didn't happen, but you know they're still in a very good position with him. Uh, he obviously has a strong connection with Lauren Bowman. You know those guys are teammates at the high school level, so uh, they kind of have someone in his ear talking about you know joining Wisconsin. So I think you know you look at Julian Roper's potentially the next guy uh, on their board to potentially join this class. Uh, but they also have a, you know a few other offers out to a few guys. You know, a, a big man that you're looking at, they had that, you know, they saw Jackson Grant uh, commit to Washington, but they're looking at a guy like Logan Dunkman uh, from Ohio. So, you know, there's, there's a couple more targets out on their board. I could see this class getting as big as five, but, you know, definitely, you know, definitely four, I would say, at this point right now. And then the 2022 class, where do they stand at this point? Obviously no commits, very, very early, but what, what, uh, where do they stand in that group? Yeah, right now, just, just a handful of offers in that group right now. Uh, that class has a potential to be pretty small for the Badgers. Uh, you know, they, they started, they have offers out uh, to Trayvon Holman. You know, he's a kid from Minnesota. Uh, right now they had him on campus, uh, I believe, for their advanced camp. and I'm sorry, for their team camp. And also Cameron Hyde has an offer right now. He's another kid from Minnesota. Uh, you know, it's still a, a long way to go with guys in that class. But I would imagine that they're going to put out a few more offers you know, maybe, you know, this, this summer uh, as they can kind of see you guys on the AU circuit. But, again, it's going to depend on, you know, who they add in this 2021 class, how many scholarships they have available. Uh, that 2022 class could be, a, you know, a class where they only have one or two scholarships available. So they're going to be pretty selective with their offers in, the, in, in that cycle. Uh, just in terms of uh, not even just guys that, that Wisconsin's looking at, but the state of Wisconsin, is, is there good talent in the 2022 class? Is there some young guys that, that maybe people will be keeping an eye on that could be D1 prospects at some point? Yeah, definitely. I, there, you know, there's, there's a good group of young talent uh, that you know, Wisconsin's kind of already started to identify. Um, I think in that class, it probably starts with Mac Nel- Max Nelson, uh, a forward from Appleton. Uh, they had him on campus most recently for the Ohio State game. Uh, you know, about six foot seven, 180 pounds. Uh, he's a guy that they've had on campus a few times. Uh, they got a chance to see him at the advanced camp in the summer. And, you know, I think, you know, in terms of how Wisconsin looks at that class, he may be the top prospect there. Um, but, there's, you know, there's a few other guys too. Jack Rose is a kid um, that, that they've had on campus too as well, about six foot three, 170 pounds. Uh, he scores really well uh, right now for Wistosa Central. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's going to be some guys there from inside the state if they want to take a look. But I think it starts with probably Max Nelson and, and Wisconsin will go from there after that. Maybe I'm going to be putting you in a tough spot here, but 2023, what is, uh, is there any, <laughs> are there any good, I mean, cause those, cause that class would be freshmen this year. I'm sure there's some pretty good freshmen that you've seen high school wise. Anything on that uh, note so far? Probably not. Yeah. You know, the, there used to be a guy, Gus Yeldon. Um, you know, he was supposed to be the next kind of big thing from inside the state. Uh, he's since moved to California, I believe. So he's playing out there. Um, you know, he was a big guy that was on Wisconsin's campus for their summer camp. Oh, well, um, you know, Jeremy Fears Jr. is a kid that they've had on campus. He's from Illinois, uh, a guard from the state. He's, he's taken an official visit already. Um, there's some buzz about Braylon Blue, uh, a kid from Sun Prairie right now. But 
Um, I believe he's playing on that uh, the JV team there. So, uh, you know, there, there's certainly guys that they have their eyes on. But, you know, if you're looking at guys in the freshman class right now, uh, there's still a long way to go. Um, I, I think the more true evaluation with those guys will come this spring and summer on the AU circuit. But, you know, it, it, things are definitely happening in that group, even though it seems like a long ways away. You know, Wisconsin's certainly looking at guys in, the, in that class. But uh, they got to take care of business in the 2021 class. they got to hand out more offers in 2022. So I think it'll be... Uh, you know, a long way to go before you start to see scholarships from the freshman group right now. Obviously, the rule is not in place yet, but it certainly could be by the time the 2022 class or 2023 classes and you know is being put in place. The potential that kids will no longer be required to go to college for a year. How will that, if and when it does happen, impact Wisconsin? Now they don't go after a lot of one and done type kids, but that would mean you would think that a lot of other teams would start pushing down their board and start looking at other guys Wisconsin would be interested in. Yeah, I, I would think there would be a trickle-down effect to that. Um, you know, obviously, Wisconsin, they have guys from inside the state that, that fit that. You know, obviously, Jalen Johnson fit that category. Uh, Patrick Baldwin, Jr., in the 2021 class, you know, both those guys. Uh, you know, Jalen had an offer from Wisconsin, obviously committed to Duke. Patrick Baldwin, Jr. hasn't made a decision and talked about trimming his list down, but he has an offer from Wisconsin as well. I think those two, uh, you know, had there been no restrictions on the draft right now, you would have probably seen both of those names enter. Uh, but like you said, Zach, I think there's a trickle-down effect. So if you have guys going to the league right away, you have to go further down on your recruiting board, and that could hurt a school like Wisconsin. But again, you know, they're, they're looking for the right fit. Um, you know, they're, they're looking for guys who fit their system, fit them culturally in the classroom, on the court, all that you know, good stuff that they preach. So um, I don't think it'll have a huge impact on, on a school like Wisconsin, but uh, it certainly does when you, you start at the top of the Blue Bloods like Duke, you know, North Carolina. If they have their top targets going right uh, to play professionally, they have to go a little bit deeper down their board, and I think that's where schools like Wisconsin come into play. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. John, thank you very much. All right, Zach, thanks so much. All right, there is John McNamara from BadgerBlitz.com here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. And now back to the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. From back-to-back Final Four appearances and named three times to the Big Ten's all-defensive team, we hear from guard Josh Gusser. Now here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. And we do bring in former Badger Josh Gusser here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. Well, Josh, Wisconsin got a big win over Ohio State last Sunday, and the guy that really helped them along was was Brevin Pritzel scored a season high 19 points was five of six from three he's a senior he's he's got a month left in his career you obviously have been in that position as well what do you think he's thinking about right now you got seven games left in the regular regular season you have the Big Ten tournament and you have you know whether it's the NCAA tournament most likely or something else so you're guaranteed nine more games what is that feeling like it, as it's coming to an end yeah. It, it's it's a little scary to be honest with you. You you kind of just go through, you know, four years of college, just having the time of your life, going to practice, going to workouts, going to class, partying with your friends, whatever you're doing, and then all of a sudden, in the blink of an eye, it's February 13th, and you got four weeks left of the season. And it's kind of it kind of hits you at some point in the middle of the season. Um, I'm sure they're starting to probably plan senior night festivities and talking to them about that, and then you just it just all kind of comes pretty quickly and. And I think he's he's realizing that, and I think he's also realizing, more importantly, how good of a shooter he actually is. Yeah. So I think that's the only thing that's really um, 
inhibited in this this in his career has been his confidence. You know, he's he's been talented. He's he's a good sized kid. He's athletic enough. He he just hasn't had the confidence throughout his career, and I think he's finally starting to get that. And and it showed against Ohio State. He had a, a heck of a performance. I've always felt, and he's he's actually always said this, you know, even going back to when he first arrived, how confident he was in his shot. Like he, as soon as if I miss one, I know the next one's going in. He said that all the time. I didn't necessarily believe him when he, when he was saying it. No. I, you know what I mean? No. And, and no. I, I, yeah. And, and so you would see him hit 30, 35 in a row in practice and be like, okay, transfer that over to the game. And it just wouldn't happen. What do you think has made his confidence grow to the point where? Now, if he says he's going to make the next one, like he tells Greg Gard when he misses one, he runs back down the court, said, I'll, I'll switch the next one. What changed? What is it that uh, you think makes him more confident now that he's in the position he is? Yeah, well, I, I could just say you're exactly right. Speaking on you know, actual experience, talking to him over the years, he, he, he lacked a lot of confidence, even though he would say you know, publicly, yeah, I know I'm a good shooter. You know, actions speak louder than words. And there's a lot of times where I, you know, he, was, he was frustrated. He was... Uh, not confident in his abilities for for whatever reason, uh, but I think he's he's gotten over that hump now. And being a fifth year senior, you know, gets you to that point. I think more so, it's it, I think it's his coaches and his confidence and, and his teammates. Uh, excuse me, being confident in him. And I think the the current guys on the team want him to shoot every time he touches the ball. And I think he's starting to kind of realize, um, j- just even with the way we've shot this year, kind of so so sporadically and up and down as a team. He's he's been one of the more stable ones in terms of just every single day in practice, every single game, you know, kind of having it. So I think the players trust him, and I think that just that just gives him confidence. And as a player, there's nothing there's nothing better than having your teammates and your coaches, you know, believe in you and tell you to shoot. And and that just is where your confidence comes. And I think that's been the difference. My favorite thing about Greg Gard and him talking about Brevin Pritzel is he'll say he'll tell Brevin, you know. I'll tell you when to stop shooting, and I haven't said stop. Right? I mean, yeah. just just keep shooting, man. <laughs> just shoot it all. Shoot it. Well, we believe in you. You, we believe well, yeah, in you. Who, and who even would, if you who miss would it, would you rather have shoot than Brevin Pritzel? I mean, if you if you have a guy who's got a, a contested an open three, there's there's nobody. You know, when Brevin shoots the ball, it's one of those things where when I'm watching the game on TV or at a game, whenever he shoots the ball, I, I feel good. You yeah, know, it's one of those things. I'm confident as a fan. As a fan, I'm just like, yeah, I'll take that any day of the week. And yeah. I think you start to realize that. And that's probably one of our best possessions that we can get is a Brevin Pretzel three, even if it's slightly contested. I mean, what, what's a better option than that? I mean, the dude shot one from near the logo. I mean, that uh, like yeah, that's... I thought it was going in. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was going in. <laughs> that's, that, that's the thing. Like, I can tell the confidence that the teammates have in him and in other guys based on what they do when the sh- when he sets up to take a three, and it's all guys up off the bench, three fingers in the air, you know, like because they. They yep. believe it's going in, and they don't do that for everybody. But with him, Correct. it feels like every single time it goes up, it is going in, and I, I totally agree with you. When I think of that, I, I would agree. I think it is the ball is going to go in uh, when he shoots it. Uh, again, talk with Josh Gosser here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. All right, uh, transferring to the another guard, Demetri Trice. Uh, Greg Gard said after the game, against Ohio State, that he felt uh, he started to become a true point guard, a guy, a true leader. Are you kind of seeing the same thing with him? I mean, he had eight assists, which was a career high against the Buckeyes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's definitely coming to his own. I think Coach Guard even shortchanged him a little bit there. I think he's been doing pretty pretty darn good things this past month or two of the season, and he's really come along and, and really, you know, been the catalyst to what's been our success here in, in the games we've won. I mean, he's really held us together 
when other guys haven't played great and with all the distractions going on. So he's been a, a great stable force on both ends of the floor. I mean, he's him and Nate defensively in ball screens is is really good. I mean, he he's our best ball screen defender as a guard, and teams don't score much when Demetrius guy comes off a ball screen and Nate's the big guarding it. They they really make it difficult. And then obviously offensively, he he's done some really good things. It would just be nice to continue to to build on what we're doing as a team and 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 take it away from the Cole Center where we're comfortable <laughs> right. clearly yeah. and doing it on the road. And I think he's been. He's been our best player. I mean, the past month of the year, he's been our best player, and he's he's doing doing everything. Do you enjoy watching guys play defense? Like, I mean, obviously that was your calling card, <laughs> along with you know a pretty good three point shooter too. But the defensive end of the floor was kind of where you made your hay. And I'm wondering if when you're watching games, do you kind of get excited yeah. watching defense? I mean, I yeah yeah especially when we're on the road because I just I just know how hard it is, especially you know this team. It's a bunch of role players, and and role players typically don't play as well on the road and clearly offensively and clearly that's the case when you have a star like Frank Kaminsky or, or they're going to play great no matter where the, where the game is but you know we have a bunch of you know 10 to 12 point scores a game and typically going to play better at home so for our team we need to we need to play really well defensively on the road to, to have a chance and I, I love you know kind of seeing how how we do things because it's, it's all about toughness it's all about togetherness and that's been kind of the frustrating part, you know, I guess personally watching it is we, I don't see that we brought that toughness and brought that, that we're going to fight and just dominate defensively and put it all out there. Um, and I hope, you know, they can continue to grow and, and do it on a consistent basis. Are you saying that's mostly what you see on the road or is it, or is it both? Like, cause I, you know, they were, they were pretty good defensively. I thought at least in the first half against Ohio state. Yeah, no, oh. yeah, no, definitely on the road. Okay. The you're road, talking about the road. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Again, we're, Again, we have a bunch of, of good players, nice players, that just they're comfortable at home. They play really well at home on both sides of the floor. And then on the road, it's, it's just so tough. Yeah, I, I was a role player myself, so I know how hard it was to play well on the road. But what you can always rely on is your, your defense, your energy, your effort. And that, and that comes on that side of the floor. You know, who cares if you win a game 52-50 to 50, you know, against Purdue? I mean, that, the reason we lost at Purdue so bad was because of our defensive effort. And and that's a frustrating part at times, but yeah. I think this team has enough to, to, to do it. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, talk with Josh Gosser here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. All right, so Wisconsin, 14-10, and 7-6 and six in Big Ten play. They, you know, in most years, 14-10 and 10 would not have you comfortably in the tournament. Uh, right now it does, largely because of those seven Quadrant One wins that they have. Um, they've got seven games left. They have an opportunity to add a few more Quadrant One wins in. We'll see how the, the next seven games uh, play out, and then also the Big Ten tournament, but what do you think is the ceiling for this team in the NCAA tournament? Is it just getting there, or what do you think it is? No, I think we have a good shot. I mean, I, th- I think there's no reason why we can't finish this regular season five and two, or even six and one. We're just having a lot of home games, and we, we don't play a ranked team uh, to go. So we we have a great opportunity here to to get on a little roll, gain some confidence, going into the Big Ten tournament. And once you get there, I mean, there's not one team that really scares me. So we can see what we can do and. You know, we'll be anywhere from a five seed to a twelve seed, and quite honestly, this year it doesn't matter if we're five or twelve. Because every team is pretty much the same, so it'll be fun to fun to watch. And again, it's just going to be how our guys respond to playing away from the Cole Center. Can they can they get a little more comfortable and confident in a, a neutral site environment and play well? And if this team plays plays well, I mean, they can win multiple games in the tournament, in my opinion. Um, but we also know they could lose 
right away. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. If they're going to hit the high point of, of your feeling about them, who is the key to making it happen? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, I think Brad's one of the guys, the guys that, you know, he's, he struggled a little bit. So I think getting him back on track and then and then Nate Reavers just really kind of solidifying the post a little more. I feel like Demetrius got to a point where he's, he's he's pretty consistent in what he's going to bring. You know, obviously some games he shoots better than that. But, uh, I think Nate, when we pick and pop with him and he's knocking him down confidently and, and posting up on the block and really doing good things there and then, Brad's doing what he's doing. I think we have a we have a pretty good pretty good group that we can make things happen. You know, I think Mike the Potter's been pretty consistent and if he can consider continue to grow defensively, that's a big thing. I mean, again, there's I could talk about every single player because they're all they're all kind of role players and you need all of them to step up a little bit. So, it's just it's just a matter of them all playing well at the right time. You mentioned it's all role players. That's not ideal, right? I mean, you you'd rather I mean, you'd love to have a star that could take on, as you said, go that you could count on every single night and uh, not have to worry sure. about other guys stepping up. I mean, they're obviously more balanced, certainly, but you you can't point to a guy and say, "I, I know he's going to bring it tonight." I know what he's. I know what I'm going to get out of him every night. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing at all until there's until it's a until it's fifty-two a hor- to sixty game with three minutes left. <laughs> until it's and a horrible thing, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think, and, and quite honestly, we haven't really had a game like that in a while. We've either kind of blown teams out or got blown out in a lot of ways yeah. in the past couple of games. You know, Iowa was one that was close, but and, and Michigan State at the end, but we were, we were up by 20 against them. So it's just been weird. We haven't had too many, like, back-and-forth close games since since Maryland, it seems like. So, but, uh, yeah, I would I would love to have, you know, one star and then a bunch of role players, but or good role players like we do. But, you know, not many teams in the country have – there's not really, you know, name a really star guard – that can take over a game in the country. There's not many of them, so it, it's not too big of a problem to have. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, th- this status for you, six of their last seven games, they've either led by at least 18 or trailed by at least 18. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so it's it, it has been – it's gone, you know, both ways. They just And I'm guessing the games that we led by 16 were all at home, and I guess the ones we lost. We're down sixteen while on the road. Is that is that right? You guessed correctly. Yeah. Okay. You know, and yeah. The, the only game, the only game that didn't that didn't happen was at Iowa, and they blew a twelve point lead. So it uh, uh, you know yep. it goes it goes both ways. But uh, we'll see. They're at uh, Nebraska, which is never an easy place to play, even if they are not a very good team right now. But uh, they'll try and get a win on Saturday. Josh, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks a bunch. All right, Talk there there he is, Josh Gosser here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. And now back to the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. No stranger to the NCAA tournament and rebound machine. Forward Mike Buzowitz. Now here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. And we do bring in forward Badger Mike Bruzewitz here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. Well, Mike, Wisconsin gets a big win over Ohio State. Obviously, Brevin Pritzel was big in that, and so was Aleem Ford. But so is Micah Potter, who, again, continues to contribute uh, at, a, at a significant level. I believe he's on uh, pace to be the, I know this is an MB, more of an NBA thing, but 50% from the field, 40% from three, 90% from the line. Usually you don't get a lot of 6'10 guys doing that. How impressed have you been with what you've seen from Micah Potter here in these, I guess, these 11 Big Ten games that he has played? I mean, he's, he's a monster. Uh, I can see why 
it was disappointing for him to leave Ohio State, but I can see why Coach Guard and, and the whole program was really pushing to get him on the floor as soon as possible. Um, he's, a, he's a really nice big, um, you know, for his size, his fluidity, shoots the ball at a high level. Um, I like his kind of rugged toughness. I think he sets great screens and gets out of his roles really quickly. So all these things are really high level uh, considering the fact that, you know, he hasn't really played a lot of college basketball because he's, you know, sat out and then had to change schools and everything like that. So it's uh, it's quite impressive. And, you know, his his running mate and Nate Reavers is, is very similar but different at the same time. You know, they both shoot the ball at a high clip. So it's, it's interesting to have that combination of big guys. Do you like when they put him on the floor at the same time, it wasn't overly successful uh, offensively the last time they did that against Ohio State. They started him just because of the, the matchups. But having Nate and him on the floor at the same time, do you like that? Or are they um, at times, it okay. just depends on on the team that they're playing. Like uh, you know, Nebraska coming up, they have, uh, from what I understand, they're severely undersized. So it could be could be a good thing and a bad thing. You know, you don't really want Nate and and Michael Potter running around on the perimeter too much and having to play that type of lateral defense. But in terms of uh, inside-outside game, I think it could be uh, interesting, especially when they go against bigger teams like Michigan State or Ohio State. How much different would this team look, do you think, if they had Micah the entire season? Because as you mentioned, he hasn't hasn't had a lot of time in Wisconsin system, especially in games. He's starting to round in and form a little bit. I think he's played better defensively. But how much different do you think they would be if they had had him for the first 10 games of the season? Oh, quite it would be quite significant. It'd be a, a big change in the season, I believe. Is you know, if you look at the, some of those early games, they had to play Nate Reavers pretty much the entire game just because the secondary big guy really wasn't there. Right. Um, so it you know it does twofold. Not only is he a, Micah Potter a very very productive player, but it also helps Nate Reavers be even more productive because he can be more aggressive. He doesn't have to necessarily wor- worry about being in foul trouble that much, and you know gives him spells throughout the game so he doesn't have to play a full forty, you know, thirty five plus minutes which is taxing, especially as a big guy in the Big Ten. There's been a, uh, I mentioned Liam Ford earlier on. It had been quite a while since we had seen a lot of good offensive work from him, but he, you know, prior to the last three games, he had been in double digits, I think, twice in Big Ten play prior to uh, prior to the last three games. The last three games, he's been in double digits all, all three games. Uh, he's starting to shoot a little bit better from the outside. I feel like, and maybe you, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but the absence of Kobe King and the fact that they need someone to be more aggressive, someone that they need to to take a few more shots, he's kind of picked that that slack up a little bit. You think? Yeah, yeah, I think he's picked it up a little bit. But you know, you can see he's just kind of dealing with some confidence stuff. I think he's a very capable and skilled basketball player. It's just how confident is he in his skills and you know to make some of those plays because. If you look at him, his body, he's got a great body, super strong, pretty athletic, and um, I like his shooting form. I think when he shoots the ball, it looks like it should you know, almost always go in. So for him to play with a little bit more confidence, especially with that kind of big gap of Kobe King going, is, is huge for the Badgers. And you know, for him, I, I, I like to see him have some more success. It's always nice to have guys that are um, kind of trying to figure out confidence-wise, and then all of a sudden something clicks, and they play super well, and I hope it continues because when he plays well, um, it just makes makes things easier. There's that third kind of outside-inside threat that they have lacked from those wing-type positions. You mentioned confidence, and earlier in the show, talking to Josh Gosser, we, we talked about Brevin Pritzel and his confidence. How tough is confidence? How tough is it getting confidence in college? You know, because there isn't, they're not going to go to you all the time. You're not going to shoot it 20 times a game like you would in, you know, potentially in the NBA, you know, whoever it is. But how tough is it to gain that confidence and, and be able to put it into action? 
Um, I think, you know, it's just, it varies on each person. And also, you know, the coaching staff and the style of play can always, um, you know, hinder or uh, exude confidence in his players. And one thing I will say for Wisconsin, it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit of a slower system. So it's, it's hard to, sometimes it's almost hard to find confidence within, the, within that system. But once you do, man, it, it's a really nice system to be successful in. So as you're seeing those dividends being played now, he, uh, you know, he's seeing it now, and I think he's kind of figured out, like, oh, this is where I can get my shots, and this is where I should be able to score. Um, and especially against higher-level opponents, you know, there's a lot of people there. There's a lot of outside pressure that isn't always the easiest to deal with, even, uh, you know, especially for 18- to 22-year-old kids. It's it's not the simplest thing of just, like, oh, I do this every day, but, you know, when other people are watching and the lights are on, it's it's really challenging. Good talking with Mike Bruzewitz here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. I want to transition into something we didn't get an opportunity to talk about last week because the news came down late after we had already recorded this. And um, it was the Eric Helen situation and him resigning. Uh, obviously, everyone's fully aware of what has happened. Jim Polzin's done a great job with the timeline of everything, that how it all played out. Do you think Wisconsin handled it well? Do you think it was something that, that it played out the way the only way it could? Or how would you assess how it was handled and, and the final outcome? Um, I mean, there's a lot of information that we think we know, but there's also a lot of information behind closed doors that we definitely don't know. So that always skews your answer. But in terms of what the university did, they're obviously just you know trying to protect their brand. And, and the viewpoint is, is that's just a, a non-starter for a program of Wisconsin's caliber. And I think, you know, Eric Collins done a great job of owning up to his mistake. He hasn't tried to deny it at all. So it's, it's one of those things that there's really no right or wrong. You can kind of look at it both ways, but this is how UW decided to handle it. And for them, for that action, they're correct right now because it was best for their decision. Obviously, he made the, the comment. It's, he's, I think there's been some finger-pointing as to who is the victim in this situation, whether it's, you know, Kobe King or Kelland or, you know, whoever, there, there, it sure seems to be some blame to go around, as you said, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely some, some things that were, you know, needed to be looked at, and, and these are some of the consequences at times. You know, this, this is where, this is what a university, you know, this is what, what working under their bylaws and under their, um, under their reign is really what they're about. They have to protect their brand, so... That's that's what I think really played into this whole thing. If if I was looking from my outside in perspective, which I definitely am. Yeah, again, talking Mike Bruzewitz here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. All right, so seven games left here in the regular season for the Badgers. They are at Nebraska uh, tomorrow, and then they uh, have some home games the following week. What's a good record here in these last seven? I mean, they had four home games, three on the road. What do you think is a is a good I mean, is a good mark? I mean, they have you know, like we've talked about it. They don't have any daunting tasks, you know. And we'll see. Uh, I would like to think you know going five and two would be be great because you know they haven't been a great road team, um, and they've done a great job of protecting protecting the Cole Center and, and won a lot of games there. So if they can steal one on the road, I think five and two would be great for them. Um, obviously, getting all four at home, um, you know, puts them in a good position. They're you know feeling good about how they ended the season. Um, see how you know see where that seating is in the Big Ten play because it's just been an absolutely bananas year in the conference. So however that whole thing is going to shake out um, for the Big Ten tournament, it'll uh, you know, hopefully give them some momentum. And that would I think that would firmly put them in the NCAA tournament, no questions asked. Yeah, no, I, I, I was looking at some not even metrics, just like possibilities percentage-wise. And if they get to – right now a lot of people have them 95 96% chance of getting into the tournament. If they get to uh, 18 wins, so that would be four more wins here – it's almost a virtual lock that they would be in, which is saying something because that 
18 wins doesn't normally happen. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't guarantee, usually in most seasons, 18 wouldn't guarantee anything, but because of the way the big 10 is viewed and because of the way Wisconsin has, you know, seven quadrant one wins, it's a little bit different, but I'd like to ask you with the big 10, possibly 10, 11 teams getting in, are any of the teams actually really, really good and have a chance to win a national title this year? It doesn't feel like there's greatness in the conference, but there's feel like there's a lot of good teams. Uh, yeah, and and we'll have to kind of see. You know, the NCAA tournament is such just a different animal. You know, it, and especially when you get matchups and styles of play and everything like that. So I think the league was so battle tested this year, and there is some you know high level experience in Michigan State. You know, I actually really like Iowa. I think uh, Garza is a is one hell of a player. Yeah, he's the Big Ten so player. Yeah. Um, he's the Big Ten player of the year. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. Most people thought it would be Cash Winston coming in, but Garza's just been insane. Yeah, he's just been really good. So when you have players like that, you know, that can carry you to places. And, you know, Penn State looks really athletic. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, for them being, you know, being a, such an athletic team really bodes well in the NCAA tournament. So I think there's some teams that could definitely make some runs. Uh, a championship, I think it, it'll be interesting to see. You know, if they have the most teams, I th- it could be the year that they finally get a championship out of the season just because – um, it's such an even board across across all of college basketball. It doesn't seem to me just a major favorite right now. No, probably not. What's Wisconsin ceiling in that then? You know, like I said, they can get hot. They can knock down some shots. You know, I think a Sweet 16 is is probably where they could end up at the at the max. Yeah. Um, but you know, we'll see. You know, the the two bigs, the, the style gives some people some problems, and if they get a couple favorable matchups. It could be a, it could be an interesting run for them. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Again, seven games left in the regular season, including at Nebraska tomorrow. Mike, thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, there he is, Mike Bruzewitz here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. And now back to the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. A McDonald's All-American, All-Big Ten first team, and Big Ten champion. We hear from Brian Butch. Now here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. And we do bring in former Badger Brian Butch here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. Hey, Brian, Badgers uh, get that win over Ohio State. Big win. Obviously coming with the cloud, I guess, that was still hanging over them at that point with the Eric Helen situation that played out uh, on Thursday. Just the entire situations that have been playing out time and time again. It feels like one thing after another. Obviously the latest, uh, very, very serious. But in your in your opinion, and uh, obviously being a player in the program, but also now being on the outside, being part of the media, the way in which Wisconsin has handled it, and you read, obviously, Jim Polzing's story about how everything played out. How do you think they handled it? Did they handle it properly? You know, in my opinion, I, I do. Um, there wasn't really a doubt in my mind that they were going to handle it properly. I, it's a touchy subject, and I think, you know, having Holado be part of it, um, he's lived it. You know, I haven't lived it. I, I don't know what it means to be a, an African-American um, student-athlete at Wisconsin. I don't know what it means to be an African-American male. Uh, so bringing Tuck into that environment and having him kind of you know, navigate that without bringing Coach Guard into it, I think was was fine. I, I do. I, I mean, in hindsight, you look back upon it, you probably should have brought Coach Guard into it right away. Um, that, that probably would have been the best way. But, but I thought that they handled it the way that they would have handled it. Um, to me, that's kind of a, a, a situation where it's 
I don't want to say internal because that's not the right word, but um, you know, it, it affected the team. I think the team handled it in the situation that they needed to. Uh, sometimes there's things that need to stay within a locker room and stay within a team, and that might have been one of those things that they felt comfortable doing that. I know there were some situations when I was there that stayed in our locker room and within the basketball program, um, but it was because it was needed to, to be in that environment. Yeah, there's there's been some outcry from fans that are upset that Eric Allen was forced to resign because of his history and and just you know knowing a, a lot of them knowing the type yeah. of person he is. Was there any way that Wisconsin could have handled that differently, or was the end result always going to have to be him leaving? Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> a great question. And I think the end the the end was probably going to have to be that. I think anytime there's situations that come out that are as sensitive as they are, that's how it has to be handled. And I think Eric knew he made a mistake when that happened. I think he apologized and he thought that might possibly be the end of it. And then obviously Kobe bringing it light to it um, brings it out into the open and brings it out to outside of the locker room. I'm not saying that by any means is Kobe's fault. Let me clarify that real quick. That was said. It was handled and then you kind of go and then anytime that it's brought re-brought back up you know you've there's more people that are involved and i think the more people that are involved once more people got involved it was a much bigger issue because now there's other situations that happen within minutes so yeah again talking with brian butch here on the wisconsin basketball roundtable all right moving on to something that uh, is actually on the court with wisconsin micah potter he is on pace to go 50% from the field, 40% from three, 90% from the free throw line. What would it mean? And I know he hasn't played all year, but that's still pretty impressive. Oh, it's extremely impressive. Uh, what Mike has done, he's done a fantastic job of assimilating himself into that group. And most guys have a hard time fitting in right away. He had to wait six months to do, or not six months, but you know, halfway through the season to fit into it. And then he's done a great job of doing that. And again, we look back upon, I think it was the Illinois game where Fans were out crying for Coach Guard to be fired because he didn't play a whole lot. But Micah took ownership of that, and he's improved in the ball screen defense, and he's continued to get better. And when you get better like that, you're going to be rewarded with playing time, and that's what we've seen. Yeah, no, he's been fantastic, and it's it's obviously led to a lot of good play. Now, they had him and Nate Reavers on the floor at the same time against Ohio State, at least to start. Greg Gard was asked about it afterwards and said it was you know just a matchup thing. Do you like them being on the floor at the same time? I th- some people have been trying, I-, I don't think successfully, but comparing it to you couldn't have Brian Butch and Greg Steamsmith on the floor <laughs> at the same time, but you know there were always people calling for it too. Now these guys are different players than, than you and him, than you and uh, uh, Greg, but you know uh, what do you think about it? I think you can. The other thing is I think you have to. Uh, there's two things there, right? I think <laughs> With what you've got going on, the situation, you, you know, Kobe obviously not being a part of the team, you that's a guy that a lot of minutes that you've lost, you have to play those guys together. That's not a, it's not an option anymore uh, because you need, you're going to need minutes. You're going to need, um, you know, guys to play together. So if you wanted it, you're now going to get it, and I think that's a good thing. Um, I know when me and Greg, you know, were on the team, we felt like we could play together. Did it happen a whole lot? No, <laughs> but I think we thought we could do it too, So, <laughs> which was always fun. Uh, we always tried to convince Coach to let it happen. We all know how and who won that battle. Yeah, uh, per usual. Uh, not, not, <laughs> not the players. Uh, yeah, definitely uh, Bo Ryan probably came out on top of that. Well, again, 
Talking with Brian Butch here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. Talking with Mike Bruzewitz earlier, asked him, you know, what would be a good record here for Wisconsin to finish the season? They're 14 and 10, 7 and 6 in Big Ten play. They've got seven games left. Four of them are at home. They're at Nebraska tomorrow. What would, in your mind, be a, a good finish here to these last seven games? Well, yeah, no, you look at obviously, I, I think a good finish would be 5 and 2. Uh, I mean that'd, that'd be a good, really good. Maybe I, maybe I should I, maybe I should change this up. What's what's a necessary finish for Wisconsin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you look at the necessary, you know, finish. It's one of those things I'll be talking about on the Big Ten Network a little bit throughout. But the quad one wins that this Badger team has, you've got to feel pretty confident about where they're at. Uh, the win against Penn State at Penn State now looks so much better that it set them up in a really good spot. The win last night by Ohio State against Rutgers makes that win against Ohio State look really good. Michigan State going on the road and beating Illinois makes the Michigan State look win look really good. So this Wisconsin team is sitting in a much better place than a lot of fans feel. I'm going to tell you that right now. They're sitting in a much better place. That being said, you can't go on the road and lose to Nebraska. I know it's tough, but you've got a team in Nebraska that's got two roads, you've got two Big Ten wins, can't lose that one. And then if you take care of your home games, you're fine. But this team can lose a home game and be okay. So if you look at it, seven games left. Even if they go four and three, I think they'll be just fine. I really do. Yeah, no, the 18 is the mark. 18 is the you point to get to 18 wins based on all the uh, the projections and percentages and all like that. If they get to 18 wins, I think it's like right around 97 or 98 percent they're going to get in the tournament as an at large at worst. And so going four and three would get them there, but. You're saying they can't lose at Nebraska? I bet you they can. Well, I, they can, but it's one of those as far as where they're at, and, and that's the thing. Like it's we, I know it's tough to be in win the road in the Big Ten. Like it's unbelievable how hard it is to win these games. Like it's it's I've never seen anything like it, and it wouldn't surprise me if they lost on the road in Nebraska. I mean, Nebraska just but, went. To, Nebraska just went to Maryland and correct. lost by they two. Should have won the game. Yeah. I was going to say should have won the game. They had the ball down one with the ball and possession to try to win, and they get a layup, but Jalen Smith, being as active as he is, is able to block that shot. Otherwise, they do win. Yeah, so. So it's a situation where I do, I, but, it, but it's, they've got to start to separate themselves a little bit, right, from the pack. There's, everyone's kind of doing this. A road win in the Big Ten separates you. They've done that already, and I think it's one of those games against Nebraska that you can't overlook. And I don't think this group, with everything that they've gone through, is going to overlook any game now. That's the only positive I think that you can take away with all of the distractions. They're laser-focused on the games because the rest of it's noise. That's their sanctuary. That's their way that they can go and just play and talk. And so far they've done that except for that Minnesota game. That's because defensively, that's just wow. I mean, we haven't seen a Wisconsin team defend that bad in a long time. So I would be I doubt if we'd see it two road games in a row. Yeah, we'll see. They they get, did get back on track against Ohio State both ends of the court and they obviously were feeling pretty good after that one and they'll see if they can get back-to-back wins for the first time since uh, middle of January when they go to Nebraska tomorrow. Brian, thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, and there he was, Brian Butch here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. That is going to do it for this week's show. Next week, to be looking back, obviously, at the Nebraska game, Wisconsin also will host Purdue, looking for a little revenge after they went to West Lafayette earlier this year and got smoked. So we'll be talking about those games coming up next week. Until then, you've been listening to the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable.